He came down with them and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea, Jerusalem, and the coast of Tyre and Sidon. They had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured, and all in the crowd were trying to touch him, for power came out from him and healed all of them. Then he looked up at his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude you, revile you, and defame you on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for surely your reward is great in heaven, for that is what their ancestors did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are laughing now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all speak well of you, for that is what their ancestors did to the false prophets. Let us hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Thanks be to God. The power and the art of blessing. Do you know that the entire biblical endeavor begins with blessing? God looks down from heaven and sees how the human family has fallen apart and become violent. And so God calls to one person, to Abraham, saying, leave your home, leave your land, leave your father's house, and go to a place that I will show you. And I will bless you, and you will become a blessing as well. The whole biblical enterprise begins with God's longing to bless and to heal. One of the oldest portions of scripture we have is the blessing of Aaron. I'm sure you've heard it before. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his face to you and grant you peace. Blessing is at the heart of Scripture. It would be good to remember that because we seem to live in a time when we're much more adept at cursing one another than we are at blessing each other. A quick romp through the newspapers or the scrolling through a Facebook feed, we find how quickly we speak harshly to one another and of one another. 
Remember, O oh church, we are in the blessing business, not the cursing. You know, a family can be a place of great blessing. Celebrations of birthdays, achievements by one person in a family circle are opportunities to celebrate and to affirm one another. And I think there's nothing more important to a child than to grow up knowing that they have their parents' blessing as they move through life. There is power to the art of blessing. Well, I really have to hope this morning that when Jesus speaks these beatitudes on the plain, as Paula read for us, he was not being literal, because by any standard of measurement, I would be outside that circle of blessing. By any standard, I would be considered wealthy, satisfied, happy, and well-spoken of. And not only that, I suspect by that same standard of measurement, every one of us in this room right now would be outside that circle. Deep in my heart, you see, I don't believe Jesus is being literal. I think Jesus is employing hyperbole here. That is, he's overstating the case for dramatic effect rather than for intellectual precision. He does not intend to inspire class warfare, but intends to stir up something within me and within you that would move us toward a better way of living, a stronger human bond. Implicit in all that he says in this passage is the great biblical hope, which is that the way things are right now is not what God wills. That what occurs here in the present moment is not the last word on human life and that there is God's future out there before us. And we can reach for that. So Jesus can look the poor and the hungry and the sorrowful and the rejected right in the eye and say, you really are better off than you realize. Because the indignities that you suffer in this moment are not the will of the eternal God. They are only the circumstances created by poor choices by other human beings. And implicit in all that Jesus says is that God is active in the events of history, moving humanity closer to a blessedness for all people. In speaking these beatitudes, Jesus says, 
Take courage. You who struggle now, because you are on God's side, and you will share in God's future blessings. And if by some accident of history, you find yourself affluent, well-fed, happy, and enjoying a fair amount of social acceptance, don't waste a moment of your time feeling guilty about those blessings. Guilt doesn't help anyone at all. But let's spend our time in gratitude for blessings, and let's do more than that. Let us leverage those blessings that others might be blessed as well. No, as I read these Beatitudes, they are neither in praise of poverty nor in condemnation of wealth. I read a challenge to put myself on God's side of history and to leverage my blessings for the sake of others. Diana Butler Bass is one of the people I'm very fond of reading. And in her book, Gratitude, she speaks of blessings and curses in this way. She suggests that we think of the curses and the struggles of life as the headwinds. Those are the things that we push against as we move forward. And we think of the blessings we have in life as the tailwinds, those things that come behind us and propel us forward. She cites some research that says we human beings are very good at identifying the headwinds that we fight against. We remember the challenges vividly. We take great pride in the obstacles that we have overcome as we have achieved. And there's nothing wrong with that. Yet if we focus too much on the headwinds, we have a tendency to become resentful, especially when we see others who struggled against headwinds that seem to be far less than the ones that we have faced. She says the same research shows that we are just a little slow to recognize the tailwinds in our lives the blessings that push us forward at times so gently that we stop feeling, as the old Irish prayer said, the wind gently at our back. Furthermore, if we could see those invisible benefits, those gifts that push us, we would be more grateful. 
where political policies have favored us, strong social networks for our families, personal gifts, skilled teachers. Blessings are the boosts bestowed upon us by systems and structures, families and other benefactors who assist us along our way. But blessings are not just personal. Well, I'm sure that none of you would be surprised to hear me say that at this present moment in our country, there are many political leaders who are deeply concerned, many church leaders who are deeply concerned about the fabric of our political debate, about the way in which we interact with one another. These Christian leaders come from many different denominations and many different communities of faith. And they wrote a wonderful statement. If you're friends with me on Facebook, I sent it to you last night. And if you're not friends with me on Facebook, I put it on the bulletin board out in the narthex. And let me share with you this last paragraph from these great leaders in search of national blessing. We must pray and ask God to take us deeper and prepare us to give a response that comes not from the left or the right, but a response that becomes because we are first and foremost followers of Jesus. Lent is traditionally characterized by prayer Penitence and almsgiving, which is defined broadly as solidarity with the most vulnerable. Prayer and fasting will help us to find the spiritual strength and the availability that are necessary for action. May God bless and keep us guide and direct us as we prepare to reclaim Jesus. You know, when I graduated from high school, I, I received an award. It wasn't really that big a deal, but it meant a lot to me. I wasn't told before the graduation ceremony that I had won the award, and as the headmaster of the school got up and began to talk, I, I was sort of half paying attention. You know how I do that. And as Mr. Ragel began to describe the recipient by the second or third sentence, I realized that it might be me. So I started paying a little more attention. I remember, I remember feeling so good to hear this person say things about me. 
I experienced a flood of emotions that washed over me in affirmation as he called my name. And I went forward. Well, the words he spoke were then printed in my high school yearbook. And I've gone back and read that probably a million times in the 42 years since I graduated from high school. When I first heard them, I, I, I didn't think they were true of me. I didn't see myself that way at all. But perhaps because Jack Ragel spoke those words, they became true. His kindness became the tailwind of my life. Well, 10 years after leaving high school, I was blessed with the opportunity to reconnect with Jack Rakel. I had been appointed to a church in the Upper Valley, and he was teaching at a school up there. He was also a Methodist and involved in a congregation not far from mine. So we reconnected with one another and became acquainted again. After some time when I left, I told the pastor of that congregation of my connection with Mr. Regal and asked if she just let me know how his life progressed. And a few months ago, I, I got a call from her saying that he was in the hospital with congestive heart failure, that it looked like it was close to the end. So I went up to visit with him. I told him how much that paragraph had meant to me, and I thanked him for writing it. And then I spoke a private word of blessing to him. What his life meant to me. And how his graciousness and his kindness impacted me. And he looked me in the eye. And he said, thank you. Well, if you take anything at all from this sermon this morning, I hope it's the following. That God wants to bless you, not with riches in abundance, but with purpose and with promise for your life. And that God's goodness is already the tailwind propelling you forward. If you take anything at all from this sermon, I hope you will be challenged to become something of a tailwind in somebody else's life, indeed in the life of our nation right now at this fragile moment. If you take anything at all from this sermon, I hope it's this, that if God puts a word in your heart for another person, that you will speak it 
You will speak it today. Amen.